Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. In today's show, I'm going to discuss some of the thought processes and paradigms surrounding should you have premise conventional server workloads or not, and how to navigate the complexities of that particular thought process and decision. Now, I bring this up because I continue to hear from other IT service providers that they are having those same challenges in terms of helping their clients navigate that uh, challenge. Uh, clearly, my own personal experience as well is that the vast majority of business owners really struggle with understanding how to think through this and navigate these challenges. In many cases, there might not be a software as a service or a SaaS version of the workload that they have, which meets their technical requirements. So what I'm going to try and do here is to help you really understand the factors so that you can make your own very nuanced, very contextually specific and applicable decision about what's right for you. Okay, so let's get started. Do a little definitions here. Let's just take something simple like QuickBooks. You could host QuickBooks on-premise. It could be on a dedicated server. It could be hosted in a separate data center that's owned by somebody else, and you could just rent that. And that would probably be in the realm of like $500 a month to do something like that. And then you, no matter where you put a workload, whether it's SaaS or premise or it's in somebody else's space, you still have to be concerned about security, information security risk management, backups, all kinds of factors, right? Just because you host your stuff someplace other than in your premise infrastructure does not mean that your requirements to monitor it, manage it, verify it's being secured properly, verifying it's being backed up properly, like none of those things actually go away. So it's just a matter of it's being done, you know, elsewhere. That's all. <clears throat> okay, so let's go back to QuickBooks. All right, in the QuickBooks example, you could have QuickBooks on-premise. It could be completely standalone. It could be QuickBooks is installed only on one PC, and that's the only place it can ever be used. And then in that context, there is no server component. But as soon as you want to go to uh, multiple user simultaneous access, and you're still saying, okay, well, QuickBooks is my application, then you have to look at it two different ways. Either you just say, okay, forget it. I'm going to migrate to QuickBooks Online, which is quite expensive. And it also has some reduced functionality for a lot of people who are used to QuickBooks Desktop Edition uh, or QuickBooks Enterprise for that matter. Or you say, okay, well, we're going to have our own server. Now, whether you're going to have your own server on your equipment in your office that you own, or you're going to host it elsewhere. And I'm not talking about Azure, okay? When I say hosted elsewhere, I can guarantee you that I'm never talking about public cloud. I'm never talking about Azure, AWS, Orion VM, anything else like that. Because then you really get into some very, very, very ugly problems 
that are associated with how are you going to back it up? How do you do business continuity, disaster recovery? How do you secure it? I mean, if you look at Azure, for example, Azure Firewall is $900 a month. So basically nobody uses it except large enterprise. So, you know, this goes back to the original point of like, you really still have to be very concerned about the security of things, no matter where you put it. And navigating that can be very challenging. The very first thing you need to establish is what is my functionality requirements? You know, what are these requirements? And what is the economic value I am going to derive in my business from that workload? Okay. And there's probably a a third thing you should think about, which is what's the structural cost of doing business, right? When I say I'm going to have this workload, what am I doing to the structural cost of doing business? I mean, if you get yourself into a situation where you now have a $500 a month fee for a particular workload, you have to understand that that's the forever button now and that you know inflation and such those prices are always going to go up and in terms of what is the most economic thing you can ever possibly do it's going to actually involve having things on in your premise environment when we're talking about conventional server workloads, this is the key differentiator. You know, if you're talking about something that you're actually satisfied with in terms of it being software as a service, fine. Use the software as a service. But especially like in the accounting or finance or tax preparation space, you know, and, and you look maybe even in the legal industry, many of these applications that have a, a premise version or a conventional server workload version, and then they also have a cloud software as a service version, the SaaS version tends to not meet the needs of the professionals who need to use the software. And one of the things that must be considered in terms of the cost is what happens to the efficiency of the workers who need to utilize that technology. Right. So if you're like, oh, I'm going to save 200 bucks a month by doing X, Y, Z. But if your workflow processes are now $1,200 a month more expensive in terms of your payroll, because you've wasted people's time by, you know, utilizing the wrong software, that's a real problem, right? Because I think you'd probably rather pay the $200 a month than the 1200 right? I mean, pretty substantial differentiation there. So from a business owner perspective or a business decision maker perspective, it is absolutely essential that you define and establish for yourself your own perception. What is the economic value that my organization derives from this workload on a monthly basis? You've got to define that, whether we're talking about a SaaS product, or a premise conventional server workload. You have to define that because that's going to just completely influence 100% of, of the decision. I'm not saying that there aren't a few other factors you've got to think about. 
I mean, certainly the security, the compliance, your regulatory requirements like FTC safeguards and the IRS requirements for tax preparers and um, things like uh, NIST and CIS and what your cyber insurance policy requirements specify. You know, I mean, there's there are other factors to be thoughtful to, such as like the structural cost of doing business. Personally, I would much rather engage in a capital expenditure. I'd rather like save up the money, save it up, save it up, save it up, save it up. Okay, great. Like every month I'm taking some money and putting it in a capital reserve account. And now I've got my bucket of money to work with. And then I go through and I do my server acquisition and I do my server migration project. And now I'm now I've got a new physical hardware and server workloads that have all been updated. And this is going to be sustainable for now the next seven years. Why? Well, because I purchased that server with the intention of it functioning in a primary capacity for the next seven years. So I've made the investment in the business when the capital existed to do that. So I'm not saying that there isn't maintenance that you have to do every month. Of course there is. You know, things have to be maintained. I, I don't care whether it's the carpeting on your floor. You know, I mean, stuff has to be maintained. But you controlled the timing of the major expenditure by doing it as a capital expenditure. Now, if you have to flex downward because of an economic downturn, then you know that thing's paid for. Your structural cost of doing business in terms of what is the floor of me doing business, that did not get raised up by many thousands of dollars because you chose to do uh, conventional server workloads the wrong way. Uh, notice I'm not bad. I'm not badgering software as a service in any way. In many cases, software as a service is going to be the most cost-effective option. It's just a matter of being very thoughtful to that. I mean, if I was to compare something like uh, accounting, which is yes, that is actually the name of a software package. It's not spelled the same way as the word accounting in the English language. But if you if you compare a content, I think they call it accounting or something like that. Anyways, it's kind of got a wa wacky spelling of it. It's a very nice accounting package, and it's intended to directly replace QuickBooks Online because QuickBooks Online is like insanely expensive, like insanely expensive, <laughs> and it really is not that great. So there's more, you know, there are other options like you could get Odoo. Odoo is a fantastic accounting product. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's actually, it's a whole ERP. So that though is like, all right, now I've got three different software as a service products that I can compare. Great. By all means, do that before you decide you're going to have premise conventional server workloads. In almost 100% of cases, okay, focus in on this. In almost 100% of cases, premise, conventional server workloads or conventional server workloads that were designed to function on premise servers will always be more expensive than software as a service. Now I'm gonna clarify, you've got to understand that this doesn't mean 
that anything that's hosted on your premise servers should be put into cloud hosted servers. Eh, big wrong. Cloud hosted servers, especially public cloud, are infinitely more expensive than conventional premise workloads being hosted on servers that you own in your facility. Okay. The time when it makes sense to take a workload and put it in somebody else's data center, like our data center, for example, is when you've got one workload. You know, you basically, you only need this one server, that's it. And, you know, all you need is like QuickBooks or, or Tax Slayer, you know, like something like that. That's it. And you, you have to find a partner that can do that for you with all of the licensing and all of the hoopla and the backups and the, the FTC safeguards compliance and all of those other things, okay? I wish there's a lot that goes into it. And I just give you a rough price tag of that where you need to expect you're increasing the structural cost of doing business by about $500 per month, which is likely what your conventional server single workload is going to cost. So this get back to, gets back to that economic value thought process. Am I deriving that kind of economic value from that workload on a monthly basis? And if not, then you seriously need to take a very, very hard look at, at finding a different solution that is a software as a service solution, whether it's you know accounting, uh, QuickBooks Online, Odoo, uh, there's a slew of other um, things out there. I think Xero, you know, I mean, there's a slew of other options out there. And all of those would be software as a service. Each one of those has a different security risk profile migration challenges, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a very complex decision that needs to be made. But from like a strategic perspective, that would be the thing to start evaluating. Now, I there are some people that I work with where they they went through this whole adventure and they analyzed the software as a service products that were competing products to the premise server conventional workloads that they have. And what they found across the board is that the software as a service apps really didn't have the level of functionality that they required. Okay, fine. They're at least now making an informed decision of, that starting from what are my business requirements for this workload and then what economic value am I deriving from it? Because I basically did a budgetary cost analysis for these people, and uh, and it was like they could reduce their IT costs by 68% by getting rid of all of their premise servers. 68%. I mean, that that's a pretty huge chunk of money, right? So how do we make informed decisions about these things? Right? Please, whatever you do, do not get misled by anyone who tells you, oh, we're just going to put it in Azure or we'll put it in Amazon Web Services or whatever. I will debate those people till the cows go home that that is not a, that will never be um, cost effective for them. It will just never be. Anybody that tells you that that is the most cost effective approach, I think they're actually intentionally misleading you. And they're looking at how can we sell somebody something that we can make money from? The the one 
uh, differentiation I would make is, let's say you happen to be a Californian law firm that has offices that are on the San Andreas fault, and you're concerned about the business continuity of your business in the context that there's you know, wildfires and earthquakes and whatnot, and you want your staff to be able to work from anywhere, anytime, and you're no tolerance for downtime. And, you know, if you have downtime of like five minutes, it's going to cost you $11,000. Okay. Then, then what you're doing is you're saying, okay, I am establishing what is the economic value that this organization derives from that workload. And then what are my requirements for uptime and what am I comfortable doing to the structural cost of doing business? You know, if we're going to like miss a court filing and it's going to cost us, you know, $50,000 because something was down for five minutes, great. Then you, you have now established real requirements for your organization's technology needs. That is beautiful. In that context, the insane amount of money that you're going to spend on public cloud on a monthly basis, well, you're probably going to get the economic value for that. The vast majority of everybody else, no, you're not going to get that kind of economic value. It's really important to establish these factors. So simply picking up a conventional server workload that was originally designed, when the software developers designed it, they designed it to work on-premise conventional servers, if you pick up that workload and you stick it in the public cloud, 99% of the time, that is going to be more expensive okay. with less security and less flexibility. You know, And this whole concept that people say like, oh, but then you don't have to migrate hardware. No, but you still have migrations. You still have migrations. And then in the meantime, everything else is so much more hideously expensive. I remember very distinctly in 2020, there were organizations that had structurally increased the cost of their, their own doing business to um, basically a monthly rental model. And as their revenue declined substantially, they really had no ability to flex downward. They had increased their structural cost of doing business to such a degree that they couldn't sustain it. And so I think that as part of a good risk decision-making practice, you have to look at what are you doing to that structural cost of doing business? How much can you shrink your operations without losing what you've invested in already? Like, uh, if you think about Odoo, this is a great example. Uh, if you think about Odoo, Odoo's minimum is one user, which is like, you know, 50 bucks a month or less. It's less than $50 a month. I mean, it could be anywhere from like 37 to 45, you know, something in that ballpark. So, you know, if you had a 1,000 person company and then you had busted tail and done all of this huge investment into Odoo and all of that. What is the floor of keeping your functionality working? Well, it's 50 bucks a month. 
right? This is something to be very thoughtful to. This is another reason why I'm so much an advocate for as long as you can establish a physical location that you own and control that you can physically secure it and you don't think it's going to light on fire anytime soon and you know you're not in an earthquake zone and you're not going to lose eleven thousand dollars every five minutes that something is down you know then maybe you ought to really be thinking about that capital reserve account where you just save money away and then you get a premise server uh, that is going to be a piece of physical server hardware, but you're going to run multiple workloads on that. And I'm not going to get into like server design in this conversation. <laughs> My point here really is that we have got to make good business decisions. These have to be very informed risk management decisions. And you cannot do that by simply listening to your IT service provider's recommendation that, oh yeah, well, we'll just put these things in the cloud. Um, wrong. Okay. I've just this morning, in fact, I was uh, assisting another gentleman who owns a, an MSP and, you know, he was expressing all of these challenges and things. And I, and I told him, I'm like, have you even asked your client what the economic value is that they derive from that workload? Well, no. He hadn't asked them that. Well, then why are we having a conversation about anything else? Because let's just say they they say, oh, well, we get $200 a month worth of economic value from that workload. Okay, then, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's no way on this planet that you're going to get, you know, that that your costs are going to be less than that unless you use software as a service. You know, I mean, even if you, even if you're me, okay, and, and you don't have external expenses for labor and maintenance and management and, and that type of stuff. Still, if I put a price tag of the value of my time on something, it's going to cost more than that on a monthly basis. You know, so, so we've got to start with what are our requirements in terms of uptime? What are we willing to live without? What is the economic value we get from that workload on a monthly basis? Um, what is our contingency plan? How long can we live without that workload? You know, are we going to go out of business if that workload is down for three days? Because if that workload is down for three days and you're going to go out of business, then that dictates what you're doing as part of the design of the overall solution. Right? And don't think that your IT service provider can come up with these requirements for you. These are all business decision. You know, these are all just completely factors and requirements that are driven from information that exclusively either the business owner or the business leadership has. You know, there's no IT service provider that's going to be able to tell you how long are we willing to live without this workload? What is the impact to our organization if we don't have this workload for three days? You know, what are we, what risk are we willing to accept? Do we have a, a contingency plan in terms of like, yeah, we don't have to do payroll for two weeks. You know, I would argue, hmm, <laughs> that's, um, I, I know from working with other um, financial services organizations that no, they can't go without uh, 
running payroll for their customers for two weeks. Generally, it's like, nah, I think we can get by for a couple of days, but that's about it. Okay, well, then realize that that is a pretty substantial input to the design of any particular solution that you're coming up with. So does that mean that you should go to something that's software as a service? I would strongly consider it. I would very, very, very strongly consider that in contrast to what is the financial impact of having premise-hosted resources that are going to achieve that level of resiliency, you know, that level of BCDR. Because generally what that ends up looking like is you need two pieces of physical hardware. And each piece of physical hardware must be able to host all of the workloads that you have. That's really the only way you can self-insure. And if your design is that way from the very beginning, that can be just as economical as anything else. Uh, and so it just, it's a matter of starting from the right sets of requirements. So please do not go to your IT service provider and say, oh, can you give me a quote for the blah, blah, blah? No, my goodness. No, we need to actually establish a set of written requirements for your business, for each workload, for each piece of functionality that you count upon. It needs to have an economic value attached to it. And how long can we live without that? <clears throat> you know, what is our risk tolerance? What is going to be the, the impact to the business if we don't have access to that particular workload? And I'm defining this in terms of workloads. You've got to You've got to create kind of a relationship between your requirements and the services. So what I mean by that is what's a service? QuickBooks is a service. Okay, email is a service. Internet is a service. Telephone is a service. Faxing is a service. Printing is a service. Scanning is a service. Okay, what happens when you have a fire at your primary office. What's your game plan then? Right? So all of these things you've got to actually document. If you don't have them actually written down, you are not going to get to a design for whether it be SaaS or conventional server workloads wherever they're hosted. You're not going to get to a design that actually meets your business requirements. You know, and no IT service provider can do that. So there's a severe hazard associated with bidding out jobs. Um, I, in fact, I find that to be one of the most devastatingly bad things that a business can do. I think it's a very different situation if you you hire your network architect to do like a cabling design for your business, and then you send that cabling design to three different cabling contractors to bid that job out. Okay, that's fine from the perspective that you have a written bid spec and they're all going to be held accountable to it equivalently and the engineering design has already been done and documented. Okay. On the on contrast, though, please do not go to an IT service provider and ask them to quote you a server. Okay, like that's just going to end in a bad thing because you're essentially signaling to them 
that the wrong decision-making practice is going to be utilized. And all you're looking for is cheap, cheap and triple cheap. You know, how much is this going to cost is essentially the question that you asked when the IT service provider looks at it and goes like, what exactly are your requirements? What's your risk tolerance? What's your contingency plan? You know, and, and they know, I mean, I think this is very similar to dealing with like a, a home contractor, you know, when, when people want something to get repaired in their home, in many cases, they will go to, I want to get these three bids for, you know, replacing my furnace. And, you know, so you're asking somebody to show up, do an engineering design for you for free, and then quote it out. You're never going to end up with the best outcome in, in that situation. The best outcome is always going to be find your relationship with your key business partner who's going to partner with you to work through all of this and to engineer the design and then rely upon them to you know, assist you in that decision-making process and to work through, well, we could do A, we could do B, we could do C. These are the pros and cons, and these are the cost profiles of it, not only in terms of acquisition cost and migration cost, but also run cost. All right, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the show.